Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 101 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com and ThyroidHealing.Yoga. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz and MendingMedicine.com. Today we are talking with soul alchemist and special guest Stacy Robbins about how Hashimoto's can heal your life. It's been um, over two years since we've had Stacy on the show, and we are so excited. I love this woman, and it looks like she is with us. So let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Good let's morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you doing? <laughs> awesome. How are you? I'm doing well. Southern California. Of course, the minute I called in, the trash truck is coming up the back alley. So that's going to be really fun for the next few minutes. And um, but we'll just we'll just work with it. Oh, okay. And it's getting noisier. So um, and that's okay. But I woke up really early today, like 4:30, and I was really inspired to do my work, do my meditation, just kind of groove on the day. Wasn't excited to do the dishes, so I left those, and I'm just kind of you know, just enjoying an early start in Southern California. Hmm. It's a gorgeous guys- day here. I woke up to, to bombing. Isn't that terrible? Like, how worse could it possibly be? And I have to tell you guys, too funny, right? So I have not watched a stressful movie, and I can't even tell you how long, right? It's just too much for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But so we watched Split. You know that movie? Oh, no. The guy with the 23 personalities? No. <laughs> I've never heard of that movie. Okay, oh, don't look it up. I mean, it was really awesome. Are he's so a, scary. He's an amazing. He's an amazing actor. I, I just totally love him. He's from, um, well, you guys would both know because we all have teen boys, but um, from the X-Men, the guy that played in the wheelchair, the, the um, oh. anyways, the one who hears all the mutants. But anyways, He's an amazing actor, but I was so uh, stressed. So this morning when I woke up, I woke up to the 29 Palms Marine Base, you know, bombing, you know, just like the window shakes and the bed shakes. And at first I thought, okay, so is this, is this an earthquake, you know? And then I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's just a bombing. I'm thinking in my head, how bizarre is that statement, right? <laughs> No, it's not an earthquake uh, that's going to, like, split the ground open. It's just a bomb. Oh, I didn't hear that you out know, there, I mean, my God, how bizarre, right? So that was my morning. So now, Dana, you have to go. How was your morning? Well, first I want to know how often they do it. Stacy just asked you and you didn't hear. How often do they do that, Tiff? That sounds terrible, and it's such a loaded question, no pun intended. But um, I very frequently since... Since the election, the bombing is, we used to have this major lull, uh, and then uh, we have probably at least twice a month, there's a series of bombings where 
Um, they test outside the 29 Palms uh, Marine Base. Well, it's probably on the 29 Palms Marine Base. but And it shakes. Like, literally, we're, like, driving time at least 35 minutes from the base. But the whole mm. land and everything, like, all of our windows rattle. Like, it was, you know, maybe a five, five-and-a-half earthquake. Mm. It's wow. so horrid. That's <laughs> once a month? Did you say once a month now? Uh, no, it's it, well. This particular last month, it was three times. This particular uh-huh. month, and we've had a lot of you know the military helicopters flying over doing drills and this and that. And I'm like, okay, you know what gives? But then again, I I prefer to uh, ostrich on that one to be. Oh, honest. me too. Yeah, stick my <laughs> head in the ground. Not a I problem. I like being an ostrich. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> You just you can't if you can't change it if you can't control it gotta pray about it and let it go. You know know, what what I've taught my kids. You know because my my uncle was a lieutenant colonel in the air force and so you know I have a huge you know just enormous gratitude for our military. So every time they fly overhead, you know because you can see the guys hanging their feet are hanging out these big you know helicopters. You know, they're holding their weapons and their feet are hanging out, you know, so we taught the kids to just wave and say thank you. You know, it's mm-hmm. one positive take on that, which I know, Stacey, is your, is your whole thing is perspective, right? I mean, so do you teach your children to be afraid or do you teach them to be grateful that, mm-hmm. you know, that we have these people who are willing to do this, you know? And we see servicemen every day walking around here in, in Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley. You know, there's serv- you pass servicemen all the time and, you know, the whole caravan of 15, 15 you know, military trucks coming home, you know, uh, and going out. I mean, it's, it's a very, uh, I don't want to say I, I like it because <laughs> I really don't, to be honest. But, um, you know, it does, it does put a whole different perspective on, on things and what's going on. And, and you know, mm-hmm. if you live somewhere where you don't see that all the time, you're not reminded of, of what's, you know, what's going on. Well, and I went yeah. straight from I went straight from Costa Rica, who um, didn't have any military since okay, I don't know, nineteen what eighty two or something, and so no military in Costa Rica to Colorado Springs, where they have an Air Force base. You know, the Colorado Springs military is right. You right. know, Peterson Colorado. Spr- I mean, it's it's pretty <laughs> Peterson Air Force Base. <laughs> a- I mean, it's. You know, NORAD, the whole whole thing is. It's a whole different deal. It is. Servicemen walking around all the time here. So, yeah, it's definitely um, one of those things your body has to kind of decide. Am I going to go positive with it or am I going to, you know, and I decide to be positive and happy and, of course, grateful and thank them because that's better than the alternative for me. So. Now, I would ideally Mm. rather be in Stacey's shoes where she's staring at the ocean. Oh, well, well you know sure. what's so funny? You know what's so funny? It's even though we are it's we love where we live. We're less than a block from the beach now and we are right up against the navy um the navy seal training and oh, no, not navy seal training, but the navy ships that are loaded with ammo. So, um, and, and yeah, if you go from the 405 all the way to where we are at the beach, there's ammo all underground. And so, you know, I just go, this system was here before I got here. 
Um, I wasn't part of that, but I was born into a time where there was a consciousness of gratitude for servicemen. My dad was in the military for um, a few years. A lot of my husband's family was in the military. Um, Am I a fan of war? No. Do I think there are different ways to work things out? Yes. Is this the system we have? Yes. Am I grateful for people who are willing to risk their lives in ways that I am not? Yes. Um, Do I have that same eye on things like they do? No, we're different. I can't judge different. I just kind of show up grateful. And I also want my kids to be wise, though. You know, like I was raised the way you're talking about, Tiffany, you know, where you saw a policeman, you saw a firefighter, you saw military personnel, and you waved or you shook their hand. You said you stopped and said, thank you so much for all that you do. And you just showed that you stopped and you showed that gratitude. So I, I raised my kids with that kind of appreciation, and I also want to raise them with awareness that just because someone has a uniform, just because someone is a teacher or is an authority figure or a coach or a priest or a rabbi or anything that d- implies safety, protection, oversight, doesn't always mean they handle that responsibly. But you can't imbue right. that into a child at three years old. You right. have that conversation as they evolve and they ask questions and then you expose them to things that they developmentally can handle. So, you know, that's just a process of conversation as your kids age, you know. Exactly. That, that is so well stated. And I have to tell you, I just love the way you put things. <laughs> I know. Thank I really you. just enjoy the way Stacy's view. You know what I'm saying? It's just you're so eloquent. In the way you put things, it's, I love it. And I just want to let you know that it's, it's really, so I'm so excited to jump in and, and I know you, so I'm, I'm, you know, even more excited and how Hashimoto's can heal our life. But, you know, you've been, haven't been on with us in so long. Tell us, uh, and for the listeners, Stacey, your story, because it is one of, of, you know. Yeah, pretty profound. Journey. Yeah. Yes. So my my connection with Hashimoto's is I was grooving along in life at a pretty rapid clip. You know, I had enjoyed early success in my music career. I had started businesses from the time I was six, 15, 16 years old. And then by the time I was in my mid-20s, I'm grooving along. I'm making great money. I have a solid reputation. I'm already married. I'm performing all over. I'm just this high-performance vehicle you know, of let's get things done. I woke up at four or five in the morning and I worked until one in the morning, you know, and had a few hours of sleep in between. And just pretty much that was my life. Um, And then this convergence of, of hard times hit when in 1995, um, I lost my grandmother unexpectedly. And um, because my parents had me when they were in their young twenties, my grandma, Mother was relatively young. And then my dad um, began the process of dying at the age of 49 years old from complications to diabetes that he never took care of. And he ended up being a double amputee and ended up losing his life within a few months. I was separated from my husband during that time because we had been married like seven years and we were just or six years at that point. And we were really bumping through certain parts of our marriage where there was just an impasse and and then um, I was hit in the first of two car accidents so you can imagine that my life 
which was going really fast and furious uh, with my work is my goal. And, um, and then I'm just going really fast. And I hit these speed bumps going really fast. You know, you're supposed to slow down when hard things happen, but I was going at full speed. And when I hit these and it racked me to be working 80, 90 hours a week and then to have to deal with all these traumas, this loss, this processing of your dad who you think is going to hold your kids one day to saying goodbye to him when you're 26 years old, 27 years old, you know. So it was just a lot of upset and turmoil. And I noticed through some of the process of it that I wasn't feeling like quite, quite like myself, but I'm like, well, God, Stacey, you've been through so much. Of course you don't feel like yourself. And I started going to the doctors and, and the doctors would say, well, you know, you're, you're feeling stressed out. Let me give you this anti-anxiety medicine. Oh, okay. You're having trouble sleeping. Let me give you this sleeping pill. Oh, you're, you're in pain because of a car accident. Let me give you these, this pain medication. Oh, you know what? We did your labs and your cholesterol is a little high. Let's put you on Zocor. Um, and then, Oh, you're having trouble losing weight. You're getting, you're weight, gaining weight. Um, okay, let's put you on FenFen. Let's put you on a couple of different doses of FenFen, so more than the average bear would take. So at one point, I found myself with no answers to what was going on with my body that was changing. I was changing. My my hair was getting really dry. I lost, you know, the outside parts of my eyebrows. I was my skin was getting really coarse and. Um, on my hands and on my legs, it looked like the Sahara Desert. I was getting anxious and having anxiety attacks that I had never had before. I, my stomach was upset. I, I'd sit down to eat at a restaurant and I couldn't even get past the bread basket, you know. And I'd be like, "Whatever we order, just take it home. I can't stay here." I started developing these fears and phobias about leaving the house, and and I started having panic, and I'd be up all night and tired all day. And then when I did sleep at night, I didn't feel rested during the day. Um, my body was full of myalgias, these kind of, they almost felt like invisible imaginary pains in my bones. And I didn't have words to describe it. My brain was foggy and I just felt really slow. My life escalated to the point where I was at the doctor's all the time. The doctor kept telling me there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, wait, you have a sinus infection. And that went on for seven months and had seven months straight of antibiotics that just weren't doing the trick. Uh And it racked my stomach, racked my gut. And I'm gaining weight in epic proportions. So I went through all of this and, ended up gaining 100 pounds within a year. I was stuttering. I couldn't even speak because my brain was just so toxic. My face was literally bleeding. My hands, if you touched the skin on my hands, it would, it would start to bleed. So it would be like little pinpricks of blood would just show up if you, if you touched my hand. And oh, wow. um, I was a mess. And I went to the doctors, and they told me, we don't know what's wrong with you, but we know that you're dying. And... They oh said, this is what happens. This is what happens to people right before they die, that their skin starts bleeding, you know, um, unex- unexplained, you know, inexplicably. So um, I went home at 27 years old in the wake of the loss of my father and the tremendous sadness of that and um, trying to repair my marriage, which was starting to reconnect again and going, oh, my gosh, now my husband's on a, the same page with me, but I'm not going to be here to enjoy a future with him. 
And in the sitting of all of that and the processing of what is going on and how do I have peace if I'm not going to have a long life, you know, how do I find peace in my exit? I ended up going on this really big exploration of the really that I didn't have peace for a long time and that a lot of fears were motivating me and they were running my show and a lot of feelings of unworthiness unless I performed, unless I looked good, unless I made a lot of money. I, I had tied a lot of my worth to a lot of the external things I was doing. And as I was processing all of that internal journey and that spiritual conversation of who am I if I am not beautiful anymore and I'm not productive anymore and I'm not providing anymore, like where is my worth? I came to really experience um, a new conversation, not how can I work harder to get more things done, but how can I be who I'm here to be for as long as I'm here to be it? And what is that anchored in? What is my identity anchored in? And it was a really important and deep conversation that ended up being very life-giving. And I found a new hope of, you know, it's worth it to try to be here. It's worth it to not just plan an exit, but to see what the possibility is in my health, maybe coming from a different angle. Maybe this isn't the final word on where I'm at, and maybe there are some solutions. So in my internal exploration, I ended up discovering some of the emotional things that are behind being sick. I ended up traveling all over the country and going to healing centers. Remember, this is like pre-World Wide Web. This is not like, oh, go and Google something. This is like get in the car, get on a plane, spend your life savings trying to figure out what's going on so that you can take a next step in a healing direction. And so that's what my husband and I committed ourselves to was finding our way in the physiological, the emotional, the spiritual, the relational impact that all of those things have on our health. And that became my journey. Um, they eventually diagnosed me with Hashimoto's, um, well, hypothyroidism. And then a couple of years later, it was Hashimoto's. And um, I, found the, I found the pathway of natural health merged with uh, traditional medicine and found good partnership with both of those, letting go of some of my judgments of medicine that had failed me or natural stuff that was so freaking expensive and a big science, a big experiment that I was always doing right. at a high price right. tag. And I was like, you know what, what if I just stop judging things? And I start um, just being open to wherever goodness is. What if I just look for goodness wherever it might be, whether it's in traditional or naturopathic or anywhere? How about I just be willing to embrace goodness and embrace health and embrace healing wherever I might find it? Um, and so that's the stuff that I talk about in my book, You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone. That's the stuff that I live life with and that I teach my children is how do you see this thing as it, it, with the eyes of a ninja. Like if you're a ninja, and I, I tell my boys all the time, you, when they were little, I'm like, you guys want to be a ninja, right? And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, what do ninjas do? Well, they jump to high places. I said, well, what do they use to jump? Well, they use rocks and they use trees and they use um, uh, fences. And I said, but, is, but are the rocks always placed perfectly near the branches? Oh, and they shake their head, no. I said, well, what do they have to do? Well, they have to learn to jump off of what's there. 
And so I tell the boys, I'm not going to be a perfect mom. Life is not going to be a perfect life. But if you'll learn how to use what's there and learn how to jump, you'll get to those high places you have your eye on. But you got to know it's your power and your choice to use everything. And so that philosophy that I teach them is the one that I embrace dealing with Hashimoto's, marriage, life, finances, everything. So that's, that's a little bit of my story on the front end up to diagnosis, and then there's a whole story beyond that, you know, finding my way the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, you were the first flower field moment for us. I know. Just listening to you. I was laying in that field, you know, just the, the resonance of, uh, you know, the whole thing and, you know, how much, you know, Hashimoto's has changed me. As an individual, but, you know, like Dana and I always say, I, I really see it as a gift. It, it really was a gift of forcing me to look at things that, you know, maybe it was easy to ignore before or, you know, like everything takes such intensive thought and evaluation now, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it's physical, mm-hmm. whether it's emotional, you know, it takes great thought before I proceed and uh, mm. that's a gift. That was really a gift that I that I had gotten from from Hashimoto's. Um, you know. Yes, there are gifts. That's Makes what I say. Slow Hashimoto's down. is it. It totally for, requires that you slow down. I tell people Hashimoto's is a diagnosis, and there are gifts hiding within the diagnosis. So. Um, maybe one day I won't need the diagnosis anymore. Maybe one day I'll just be so embracing of the gifts that the diagnosis will go away. And, you know, maybe when you learn the lesson, the teacher disappears. You know, I'm not sure. Exactly. I love that. You know, I love that. That's, you know, exactly. This is why I'm here, to alter Mm -hmm. all these things and to force you to see these things and slow down. You know, that's one thing that we hear so confluently, and I'm sure you see it, as well in your clients is the speed that these people were at, you know, many times before. I know I was. I mean, I was just, you know, I look back and I'm like, not human. You know, I mean, it's like all the things they, lots of these people were overachievers. And you know what I mean? And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden the body said, well, let's see here. Yeah, we're going to put the brakes on a lot of this. Stopping this right now. Right. You need to just stop and think and and evaluate and chill. It's chill time. (laughs) And, you know, also, there are people who, like me, who um, overachiever might be, you know, kind of a big word. But, you know, when I was on, I was on. And I believe that my adrenals, got me through most of my life and I just pushed them and had no idea. And finally for me, it was like, okay, that's it. We're done. We, <laughs> you haven't listened to us and you've been pushing and pushing. And so that's it. We're done. Similar to, you know, how Hashimoto stops and, and uh, stops you and makes you slow down, you know? Um, so there's probably a lot of people, you know, like that as well. And I, the whole time I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm thinking stress is so important and we talk about it so often and I have to throw Tiffany under the bus here. I'm sorry. Um, because it's similar with me, but it's the same thing with me and Mary Showman. I'm going to throw her under the bus too. We are all able to do this thyroid healing yoga, um, program that, uh, Alana and I, 
created. And I was telling Tiff the other day, I was like, just take five minutes. And she was like, I know, I know, I need to take five minutes. It's just so hard life and four kids. And I was like, I know, I get it. And I said the same thing to Mary yesterday. I said, you bought this program and you haven't done anything. I was like, you need to just do it. She was like, I know, I know, I'm just busy. I just, I need to stop and do it. I mean, it happens. And so we all know stress is such a big part of all this. And we really need something to help us stop and slow down and realize, you know, <laughs> we got to stop it. Totally. And it's a, the, the message that we're getting is that the one that I get is that, look, Stacey, your love is infinite, but your time and energy are not. And don't confuse the two. Don't confuse mm-hmm. the three, you know, that your love is infinite. You know, that'll far surpass your lifetime, but the legacy of your love your your time and your energy are finite. And so you have been given the responsibility of managing those things so that you can focus your time on what gives you the most energy so that you can spend your time on what you're here to do. And and so that is the thing, the, the one of the messages I got in one of the gifts hidden within Hashimoto's is like a consciousness about what is finite and what is infinite and and how to honor the uniqueness of both of those things in my life. So, um, but I think that there are really common factors between people who have Hashimoto's. I see that type A personality and that not listening to the messages when they were softer. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins talks about it. Marion Williamson talks about it. Different thought leaders talk about this often that when you don't listen to the still small whispers, you're, your life will start screaming at you with circumstances that are louder, right? And so we've had the circumstances, the three of us, of our body screaming at us louder. And I really think that one of the things that's been restoring for me is that sense of reconnection to my body, you know, not living in my head all the time and just my my head demanding my body to show up whenever I say so, to do that thing that I say so for the reason that I say so. Um, my body is doing what a what a you know a teenager does. It's going no, I won't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I've had to reconnect with my body and go. Okay, how are you doing today? What do you need today? What foods are going to serve you today? Um, what kind of sleep is going to um, allow you the proper rest that you need? What kind of relationships are going to be peaceful to your system, your nervous system? And really check in with the whole of me instead of one part of my myself being demanding and the other part of myself being subservient and reconnecting to my heart so that my heart can be involved in what matters to me. So I see, though, that the disconnect comes from another common factor that many women with Hashimoto's have is that there was some kind of physical, emotional, sexual verbal abuse at some point in their lifetime that they went through something. This is not a hundred percent, but I'd say within the thousands, tens of thousands of women I've talked to about this and, you know, social media, mass media, or just conversations over the last 20 years, it's been that probably 65 to 75% of the people with Hashimoto, women with Hashimoto's went through some kind of past abuse. And so when that happened, when you are a child or teenager who's gone through some kind of abuse that you had to keep quiet, there's almost like this 
time in order to survive that, that you have to separate you from you in order to kind of live that duplicitous life that says something horrible is happening, but I can't act like it's happening. This part of you that has to cover up tragedy and cover up trauma, um, like divorces you from you. And so I actually think that one of the other gifts hiding within Hashimoto's has been the healing reminder to say, it's time to reconnect you with you, Stacy. Like you can't live separated anymore. I won't let I won't let us do that anymore. My body is saying so. I found that for me, I I had to start being honoring of a body that I tried to ignore was going through trauma as a child. So that is also another common factor from a lot of the clients I counsel and women I talk to. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Oh, that's Emotional a... part is such a big factor. Um, stress, of course, but emotions, such a big part of, of Hashimoto's. You just don't, you know, I mean, I don't think people really, really realize. I think they know it, but they don't really attribute it to themselves or to certain situations. Mm. Mm. What do you think they attribute it to? What do you think they're attributing? I don't know. I don't, you know, when they have symptoms and things, I think they just think, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm working too hard and, and, you know, they don't really realize that it's, you know, some of their emotional traumas, you know, catching up with them. Don't you think? Yeah, I think that it's easy because I think the symptoms look like other things. You know, I think that, you know, tired looks like, oh, well, I live in, you know, the 21st century and I work, you know, we're too, two worker household and we're raising kids in modern society and we've got sports and we've got this and that and music lessons and everything. And I think there's a lot of reasons to explain away the symptomology. Oh, I've got brain fog. Oh, well, you know, God, you had a little bit too much wine last night and too much coffee this morning and not enough water. So of course, you know, so I think that, and I have to be fair to the doctors too, you guys, because it's easy for, us to get all mad at the doctors who are missing these diagnoses, but remembering that they're human uh, and that these things don't show up on the labs right away. You can have symptoms for a couple of years before they even show up on your blood work um, that you're, um, Oh God, what was I saying? Oh, giving grace to the doctors because the truth is that they're kind of looking at us with that similar mindset. They're trying to connect the dots to why would you, why would you gain weight? Well, I've been working a lot. I've been sitting at the computer a lot. I haven't been exercising. Okay, we'll try exercising more. Maybe that's why you're gaining weight. And so, but I think that Hashimoto's is a composite picture. It's like once you start, instead of separating the symptoms and you start looking at a whole picture of, Okay, you're gaining weight, your skin is changing, your head is foggy, your stomach is freaking out, your sleep is affected, your energy is different, you have pains in your body, you can't handle uh, cold and hot temperatures with ease, um, and, and you feel impatient in relationships and you feel more easily stressed out, whether it's driving down the road or watching an exciting movie, like you, your body can't seem to handle that, then you start seeing a whole picture and not just medicating symptoms, but diagnosing um, the diagnosing for what could possibly be Hashimoto's. And I think that's an important thing to realize that this is not just one symptom and, and everybody's missing it. It's that that symptom looks like something in other parts of life. And it's a whole picture that we need to recognize. You know, one thing that 
that many people uh, don't realize as well is, is related is the detachment. And I wish that we spent more time, you know, because we talk about the dry skin and all of these physical symptoms, but the emotional symptoms of, like, the detachment and a separation from your own emotions and from people that you love more than anything else in the whole world. For me, that was, and still is, to be honest, one of the most difficult components of this, you know, uh, of Hashimoto's for me. And, you know, I had seen a a mom and a daughter yesterday uh, who she was diagnosed as at eight. Mm. And you could see the detachment in this child. You could see the fact that she, she just stood there and it really it, it brought me so much to emotion after the uh, after you know we were separated and and I went about uh, other things. But you could see this child standing there watching, just looking at the people passing, and you know I for some reason it, there was such an emotional connection with this child for me. But I could feel the fact that she was just like a stranger in her own body. I don't know if either totally. one of you have gone through yes. that, but. For me, that I mean, and I wish that we could just grab a bullhorn for all of these people. When they call it depression, I remember having the discussion with my physician, and you know, depression coming up, and I and I kept telling him, "This is not depression." You know, I mean, I I understand clinical signs and all of these different things. I said, "This is not depression. This is something totally different. This isn't a, a lack of wanting to do anything." Right, and I and I use the, the 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 statement frequently that my laugh, even my husband said, your laugh is different. It's like a different person. Hmm. And for me, that was very difficult because I was always laughing. You know, like everything was always funny. I was a very touchy person. You know, let me give you a hug. And my children, my my babies grew up like hanging off me like koalas, literally more than one at a time. And then it just became like an, a numbness that it's like reawakening myself has been part of this journey for me and and the feeling, to have the feeling come back. That's been one of the most difficult components that we rarely ever talk about. No one ever talks about the emotional detachment that's a huge portion in so many marriages falling apart, right? Mm -hmm. You're just like, you don't even know who you are, so how do you become intimate with someone? You know what I mean? Absolutely. it's just <clears throat> such a phenomenal, and, and of course that ties right back in to different types of emotional and physical abuse. It's almost like the body says, okay, so you've been faking this long enough, right? <laughs> now it's mm-hmm. time for you to get real with yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, that's been a huge thing because there was abuse physical in, in my childhood. And everything, I always did everything to please everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right, I never ever stop to think about me and what's okay for me and saying no when I can't. Like the prioritizing mm-hmm. has become amazing. Like I look at myself now and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I admire the fact that I'm willing to say or able to say now, no, I can't do that. My priorities fall here, here, and here. If there's extra, yes, I might be able to get to it, but if there's not, no, I can't. Like literally, I'm a lo- I am able. I've given myself the permission to say no, whether it's mm-hmm. engaging in a debate, 
whether it's, you know, arguing over a rental car, you know, the the price not being right, I literally at that moment will evaluate how much energy I have and how am I willing to expend this with with another person. And so many times I would just engage, you know what I'm saying? I love a good debate. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I, it's a Spoonie theory. Stacey, have you ever heard of the Spoonie theory? Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Only so many, I only lo- so many spoons in a day. Mm-hmm. Only so many spoons in a day. When I read that, I cried so hard, and I I relate to that quite a bit. You know, okay, so today I have, you know, that evaluation that we all talk about. Today I've got twenty, feeling pretty good, twenty five spoons, or you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just, it's such a, dare I use the word, amazing. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like it, this this particular quote unquote illness has been a huge component of of healing the me of me. It is, and that sense of separation that you talked about, Tiffany, I think it's really important. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because the way I describe it when I write about it is that I feel like I'm sleeping with the enemy, and it's just me, you know. And that sense of the betrayal. Enemy, right? Sleeping with the enemy, only it's me, you know? (laughs) And and so when you think about, and and I know that other people have different philosophies on this, and that's okay. I hold to this, but I'm open to other things. When I figured out that Hashimoto's was an autoimmune condition where the body is attacking the thyroid, I thought I had to ask myself, okay, well, if my body is a reflection of my life, my thoughts, my patterns, and my beliefs, where am I also at war with me? What other places in my life are attacking, you know, by, because of my choices? Like, what am I doing? Am I, am I eating foods that are healing or am I choosing foods that I go, well, I don't really care how this makes me feel. I just want it. You know, am I, am I choosing foods that undo me? Am I staying up too late? And am I in toxic relationships that undo me? You know, and right. I started seeing all of those as, at, as being at war with what was truly honoring to me and, and being able to shift, um, see that and shift some of the dynamics um, meant that I had to, instead of listening externally and looking externally, which a lot of people who have been abused do when they're, when they're a child, they become very extrinsically driven. Like, do you approve of me? Does this please you? Can I stop the next fight from happening with my parents? Can I stop the next abuse from happening with that stranger? Can I stop the next problem from happening? And what happens is our, our antennae get so far out there that we're always living out there because we're trying to just mitigate pain. We're trying to stop the next problem from happening. And what happens is we don't develop that relationship within ourselves that says, I have personal safety within me. I don't have to make sure every person outside of me is safe. That was supposed to be the job of my parents. That was supposed to be the job of my coach or the job of my priest or the job of my whoever was the guardian at that time. But what I need to do is I need to be, because you get distracted. I I used to tell people you can't play with Barbies anymore after you've gone through sexual abuse. You just can't in the same way because being playing with your Barbies and getting them all dressed up is is one thing, but you can't really give yourself wholeheartedly to that when you're listening for the footsteps in the next room that might be coming your way to hurt you. And so you live this d- divided life where I can't really play in my own 
my dream realm, my imaginary realm. I really can't because I'm always on watch. I'm always right. on watch to make sure I'm safe. That's why the work that I do, I'm doing a lot of chakra work right now ever since I got my yoga um, certification a few years ago because I think the, the chakras are so important to, um, and that foundational root chakra is I am safe. And I think that many of us with Hashimoto's need to do that work. And I'm writing a whole thing about that right now, the chakras with, with Hashimoto's, because there's, um, it's really important to feel that first sense of safety. Because when we don't, here, here's the big kicker on this. When we don't feel safe inside of ourselves with who we are, we are every other action and reaction in our life is coming from that place of I don't feel safe and I need to feel safe. So why do I work to make money? Because I need to feel safe. Not because I'm doing a job I love, not because I love the joy of having abundance and finances being secure around, but because I don't feel safe. So now I need my job to make me feel safe. Why am I in that relationship with myself? Because I don't feel safe and I need him to make me feel safe. Why am I doing this thing with my children? And I'm saying no here and yes here because I don't feel safe. Well, what about that conversation with the stranger? Well, I was guarded this way because I don't feel safe. Everything comes from this foundational belief that we have and whether we feel like we're safe with ourselves or not. And, you know, that extends uh, for me um, safe in being me with my family. I know I mentioned mm-hmm. this to you on one of your, one of your posts the, the other day, Stacey. Uh, I don't feel like I can be me, and so it doesn't feel like a safe zone or place when I'm talking with my family. They have no idea um, mm-hmm. And it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel good. Um, I don't let them know. I'm mostly okay with it, and I deal with it in my own way. It isn't something I can really even talk to them about. And so it's it kind of a you know it, it it relates to lots of things. But while we're talking about this, I definitely want to see if you can throw in the the honey story because that was fantastic, and it really does mm. makes it mm. synergistic for all of it. Sure. So what, what Dana is referring to is that the other day I did a post-apocalyptic holiday post, you know, like those post-apocalyptic holidays like Mother's Day, um, where if you're not in a groovy relationship with your mom, it, you can feel really blown, blown away, like you just had devastation. Because that holiday reminds you of what you don't have and why you don't have it in your life. And so I was reflecting on that and sharing that with my um my community. And one of the things that I shared was a story that I had read when I was a little girl. I was a huge reader and I loved those little scholastic book order forms. And I'd order a bunch of books and devour them in a day. And one of the books that I got through that program was called Honey. And on it, I remember there was a picture of a girl with these streaks of blonde in her hair that were the color of honey. And that's how she got her name. And it was a story of her as a child, I think she was a preteen or right around those young teenage years. And she was living with her mom up in um, like the kind of the mountainous area in her um, region. And she was, her mom was a single mom and she was an alcoholic and honey loved her mom so much. And she also was super affected by the alcoholism that would make her mom angry and abusive and mean and so she had this divided relationship with her mom where she really loved her mom and loved all those good parts but she really hated being on the receiving end of all the 
the hard stuff with the alcohol. And so Honey would go for walks around the neighborhood, and she ended up meeting a neighbor woman who was out gardening, and she got into conversation. And this woman was around her mom's age. And Honey and she struck up a friendship and a relationship. And this woman would invite her in for tea, and they would talk, and they would play card games together. And And then Honey would share about things that were going on in school, things that she couldn't share with her mom because her mom was just checked out of reality. And at some point, Honey felt this real great love for this woman and, and then felt immediately this guilt of that's betraying my mom because I feel like I love this woman like a, like a kid would love a mom. And she was really conflicted about it. And at some point she told the woman, you know, I can't see you anymore. And they eventually had the honest conversation of why Honey was backing off and and the woman assured her, and she sat down and she drew a picture with a, uh, on a piece of paper of a big circle. And she said, honey, life is like a pie. And no one person is going to be any, uh, no one person is going to be the whole pie. But everybody in your life is going to make up a slice. And so your mom is going to be a slice of that pie. And there's going to be all those good parts about your mom and, and, and you're going to enjoy that. And then there are going to be other people in your life who are going to give you love and kindness and friendship and fun. And instead of feeling so disappointed that your mom isn't the whole pie, you can just enjoy all those other people who are going to be those other pieces. And at some point you're going to look back at your life and go, my pie was full and it was really delicious. And so You don't have to worry. I'm not ever going to try to replace your mom because I couldn't. But you can enjoy the slice of pie that I am in your life, and that's okay. And her giving Honey permission to receive love and not feel guilty about when it didn't come from the person who she thought she should be getting it from freed her up to enjoy the love of this woman. And the message of that for me in my life was just that I was so so freed up because my mom – I, I love my mom. She really wanted, though, a loyalty from me, and um, that. And if I embraced other people, that she got very jealous of that, and so she'd cut me off from other forms of love. And um, so that story freed me up to say, my mom is my mom, and no one will ever, ever be that slice. She is her own unique flavor and filling and crust, and she's just perfect for who she is and the unique way of her strengths and weaknesses. And I'm going to allow other people to mentor me and love me and be maternal with me, not to replace her, but just to, because it's my, it's my thing to enjoy the pie of my life. So that's why I shared that story to kind of free people up to receive love. If it's not coming straight up from their mom, the way they wanted or the way that it was promised to just receive, look for love where it is, not where they think it should be, you know, and 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 it's okay to do that and you can get some of the pieces from your pie that you feel like you're missing from your mom from your friends or you know your neighbor or and it's okay and it's okay for your mom not to be able to fill those slices that's okay too and and that's where the safety thing came in for me i um you know when you were talking about that just a few minutes ago and i felt like knowing this story makes me feel like i can i can feel safe knowing I'm just going to, you know, accept the the good parts of the conversation we do have and I'm going to let other things and other people, other instances, circumstances fill the other slices. Yes. Yes, I think that's really important. And when you said that to me before, Dana, about 
as you said that to all of us about, you know, um, not feeling like you could be yourself. Um, this thought came to me about, don't you guys admire when there's some like sassy or brassy woman or some just quiet feminine woman or whoever it is who can just feel comfortable being herself. She doesn't need anybody to applaud her or agree with her or approve of her. She just is herself, whether you like her or not. She's just, she walks away okay. Don't you admire women like that? Love that. It's such a calming I, feeling. Absolutely, <laughs> It is. I wrote in one of my, uh, in my book, the Bloom Beautiful book, you know, there's nothing that is quite as beautiful as a woman who is at home with herself. And oh, sure. so I think that for those of us, I think it's an interesting bag, and I don't have this all figured out, so I'll just throw it out there. Maybe we could talk about it the next time we're, we're on together. But, you know, I think there's something about, okay, here we are, sensitive people, strong women in the world, but affected, too, to the point that our bodies broke down, maybe when other people's wouldn't, and maybe we are having to listen differently. And I noticed that we are also very empathic. We're also very sensitive. We're also really healers. You know, we bring healing and reminders of um, that to the world that, hey, you're a healer too. You can, you can bring healing to yourself and healing to your world. We all have that message. And I just wonder if sometimes um, that mixed bag of I went through abuse, so my antennae are really far out there. I'm also very psychic or empathic. I can feel what you're feeling. I'm also very much a healer, and I can bring that to you. I'm also very sensitive. I'm affected by the world. It means that I can be a chameleon. I can meet your needs. I can read your needs, and I can meet your needs. But that doesn't – but at the end of the day, I need to know who I am alone with nobody else to bounce myself off of. You know, a chameleon has – a chameleon, does a chameleon have a color when it's not reflecting off of another color? Or is it just always reflecting off of the other colors that are around them? I need to know that at the end of the day, after I'm done serving people, feeling people, meeting their needs, that I know who I am. And that has been my journey of reconnecting. To who is Stacy when she's not busy reading you and meeting your needs and helping to heal you? Do I... Because if I always need someone else near me in order to know who I am, I don't know who I am. Like what color you are. You know, I am light pink. Right. I know my color. At the, at the, end, of the <laughs> end of the day, what color are you? No, I, I think right. that is, I think that's critical. I, I definitely, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> so profound there. Flower field moment. It totally well, is. I'm I'm like at a loss for words right now. Just there there's just so much so much resonance and and I feel so much stronger after this journey. You know, I feel like, you know, just like what you said, I I know what color I am. And I'm not, you know, I'm not so much of my life was to be quiet. You know, be the perfect little girl in the patent leather shoes and the bow and don't say anything. And that was so much not me. So I spent with all of this energy my whole life in, in being told to be quiet. Just be quiet. Just, you know, be complacent. Be agreeable. Be this. Be that. Be this. Be that. That you get so confused on your color. 
Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I love the fact that you said that when you were saying that, I was like, and at the end of the day, you need to know what color you are right. without reflecting off another person. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I, and I can. I can thank this journey for that. I really can. Like, I know what color I am at the end of the day. That's mm-hmm. the, true, the true color I do. And I'm so grateful for that. Stacey, I love I have that you know quick, that. I do, and I, I mean, you know, this is going to sound silly, but the shade may change. Like, I, I don't feel there's there's still so many components of mm-hmm. of everything that goes on, and I, I do believe instead of, you know, healing is not, you don't walk into the doctor and they say, oh, this is it, and, and this is it. Like, there's compartments to healing, you know, mm-hmm. for me. There's, it's almost like I have to deal with this before I can even get to that. Like, I don't have time, I don't have the energy to deal with that component yet. But I know that I will get there, you know, and I trust, you know, I call it trust the journey. Meaning that I know that if I can't deal with that right now, it means that I need to deal with this first before I can actually get to that. It's a growth period, you know. You have to grow a certain certain amount before you can actually handle that. And sometimes when we jump that... Right, we get knocked backwards, and they're like, "You're not ready. You're not ready to to handle that particular component yet." So when we trust that inner color, we know that we will get there, and we know that we will handle it. But now is not the time. You know, part of that mm-hmm. has been it too. Is like, I want to handle it all now, and it just doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. And we have to be okay, and we have to trust that we will be led to handle each of these things at the time that they're ready to go. Like I always tell people, you ever had one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, you know, why can't I do this right now? I mean, think of it like writer's block, okay? Why, what is my deal? Why can't I do this right now? And then all of a sudden it's seamless. It just goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, yeah. You're like, what the heck was that? You know what I mean? But it was time, right? So when we, we truly have faith in the fact that when these things have time and they have their time and it's ripened like a fruit, it will happen. If mm. you try to force it before you get there, you have every ounce of your body that says, not right now. This is mm. not it. This is not the time there's more that you need to know or blah, 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 before you actually do that. And then all of a sudden when that time is right, then everything just goes seamlessly and you're like, what was the difference there? Right, And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't necessarily need to know that. We just need to trust the fact that we will be led and it will happen when it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's hard for me. But when it does, oh, it, yeah. it makes me that much more faithful in the fact that I, I'm not alone in this journey. Like there, there are things and people and you know, whatever that are leading me that way. It's, it's a beautiful thing and it, it, it is a source of peace of knowing that. Yes. Absolutely. So I, ha- I have a quick question. If you had to, let's just close our eyes and picture that Stacy is, is sitting at Stacy now and talking to Stacy at 26. You come into your consultation, Stacy, with yourself. What would you tell yourself? Mm, I would say it. you are such an unbelievable person you are here with a huge buffet of gifts that are going to be a feast to the world 
And if you can't enjoy them first, you, you can't really do what you're here to do. So I would tell you to slow down, to take care of you right now, to invest in yourself right now, to, to do the protocols, to change your food, to journal, to go out in nature, to, to do that inner journey right now of who am I and, and what am I here to do? And do that introspection stuff right now. That's what I would sit down with me and I'd say, it totally makes sense why you've been running so hard. Do you know how resilient you are? Do you know what you've been through and how you have converted that into something good? But now you need to convert it into something healing. Because you, you could have ended up a drug addict or a prostitute <clears throat> or an abuser the way that you were treated. But... Instead, you turned into this really unbelievable person who's bringing beautiful music and beautiful thoughts to the world. But I see you. I know you're not enjoying all of who you are. And that, that really matters. That really matters. You really matter. So let's, let's take the time to get reconnected to you and to really honor you and love you. Because even though you think it's the most important thing to do everything for everyone else, you're really important to take care of first. And so I think that's what I would say to me. I think I would say some version of that to me. Take care Mm -hmm. of yourself now. And the more I would say, it will take as long as you are resisting. So the work of surrendering and the work of listening is the work of trusting. And in the work of trusting is is the gift of resting. So let's go on the journey of listening. Let's go on the journey of surrendering so that you can enjoy the benefits of what it is to live a life where you can trust that all is well, that you are safe, that life is good, and that you are strong to handle whatever is going on in life. And, and then you can enjoy the rest that comes from trusting, whether it's the sleep at night or just the peace during the day. You you can have that, and I want that for you because I want you to live your whole life with those good things, Stacey. That's what I would tell me. Mm-hmm. I love that. Me too. And just, you know, I think it's just a flower-filled show, I think, you know, or just flower-filled voices or flower-filled Stacey. I don't know exactly, but maybe, you know, maybe you could just read books to me at night. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I think it's flower-filled Stacey. <laughs> for sure. Oh, I mean, really, I'm thinking you could what? just, you know, do your books and things, audio books, and just forget the hardcovers, because really, <laughs> that's really what I just prefer. <laughs> and speaking of, speaking of book, before we, before we let you go, this has been really, really wonderful. Um, tell us, I know you have a new book coming out, and I want to support you and hear all about it really quick. Thank you so much. Okay, so really quick, um, you know, I already have uh, Bloom Beautiful out. I already have You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone. That's for women with Hashimoto's or any woman on a journey of loving herself. And then I have the Bloom Beautiful app, but for the iPhone, excuse me. Um, I am so excited. I have a couple of books coming out this year, but the one that is coming out, it, it should be within the next month. Um, it's 
called An Unconventional Life Where Messes and Magic Collide. And it's 21 Mm. vignettes of my life stories of whether it was when I was 13 years old and I had this dream in my heart to meet a certain musician and then 20 years later meeting that person's wife and so on and so forth. Like it's, it's the magic of dropping everything and taking our life on the road and then taking the boys to Italy for three months to heal from bullying. It's when I got inspired to live an indoor camping experiment and take the breakers down to just two breakers. And we thought we were going to do that for a month, but we did it for four years. And the lessons that came from living where light is light and dark is dark and enjoying the unique lessons and personalities of daytime and nighttime. Um, It's the stories of, being told I'd never have children and then what the miracles that happened that made that happen. And so it's, it's such an, a, a book of inspirations and it, the, the inspiration that came for it was that I want my kids to know these stories of these things that really happened in our life that we have pictures of and we have like mm, witnesses cool. of. I want you guys to see this so that you can know that your life is a result of the, when messes and magic collide and this life is a really wonderful life when it's all said and done. So oh, that's, I can't that's what it's wait. about. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way you write. I can't, I know, right? I'm excited for that because I absolutely, like I said, I just absolutely love the way that you write. Thank you so much. Thanks for yeah. having me, girls, and thanks for doing yeah. all that you do to encourage our community. Thank you, honey. Well, Have a great you day. Very we much. appreciate you, you being with us. <laughs> yes, it's my pleasure. All right. Mwah. Ciao, ciao. Mwah. Bye, bye. <laughs> bye. 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 <sighs> Seriously, just that was the, the very, she was the very first flower field. <laughs> she was. She's, oh. She is magic in a person. Yeah. You know. We're just going to bottle her up. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to have her, until she does the official audio book, if she ever does, I'm just going to have her record herself reading her book to me <laughs> and send it to me that way. I'll pay her. I'll just PayPal her some money. You know, she really, <laughs> she really should do audio books. She should you know, do audio books. Yes. Like, I can imagine. Right. I, I, I had a friend uh, who's an artist. Uh, write this amazing, amazing poem. And reading it was not the same as listening to her say it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I just, How cool. The way Stacy writes is so... Um, oh, my God, you'll love this poem. I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, her name is Susan Abbott, so shout out to Susan. Uh, but anyways, uh, I can imagine hearing her voice and the way this plays out in her head through her words... Stacy, we need to do audiobooks. Yep. <laughs> we'll just put it Serious. out there. Yeah. Seriously, right? They are. Because just listening uh-huh. to her, there's a, there's a healing factor. And, you know, I've never met her in person. And it doesn't matter. You know? And I, I will. And, and I will meet you. And I will meet Jenny. And, I'll, you know, I will meet these people. I will meet Alana. I will meet you in person. But I haven't met. Stacy in person, but it doesn't matter because I can still feel, feel like you know the her, healing yeah. powers, you know, when she talks. It's just, you know, something about her. And her book, you know, You're Not Crazy, Not Alone, is, is a must read. It really is. 
Well, and the magic and the mess is, you know, when you hear her stories with her children and her life and what comes up in a day. I I love it when she says, you know, she starts with something like if they're playing a game or something like that. And she says, and then I went to pick up my phone, you know, because she was recounting this. Right. You know, and it sounds so silly, but when she said to do this in the stories and the pictures and for her children, right, for them Mm -hmm. to understand where they came from and all these, you know, all the magic within the messes. You know, that's a huge thing for so many of us is is to be able to recapture, you know, what we're afraid we're going to forget or, you know, so journaling is, is, is a very cool piece of that, um, not just for yourself but also for, you know, for your children to understand, you know, maybe to have answers when they go back you know, at, during their childhood, I know my own children have, you know, um, you know, question, not questions, but just understanding the mom that was their mother during that time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a very cool thing. Hmm. Well, and we had someone, who did we interview that was talking about um, making the memoir of you? Who was that? Hmm. Uh, Andre you remember Nakayama. who I'm talking about? Andre Nakayama. Was it to to write your own memoir? Your medical memoir, Andrea Nakayama. Medical memoir. That's what it was. That's right. That's that was awesome. <sighs> I'm going to be in a perpetual flower field for today. Then that's just it. I resolved. Yeah. Today is yeah. a flower field day. <laughs> You know, I had something you were you were talking about, Stacy, and I had something I was gonna share, and it just flew right out. Um, she's just one of those profound people, and uh, there's so there's so much that we have. You know, the magic and the mess. You know, we need to try to. I'd like to try to focus on that because there we have so much mess. The thyroid and Hashimoto's. There's so much mess, but let me tell you a few of my magic. Um, things real just really quickly. I have met the most amazing women. I have had the most the the coolest opportunities because of Hashimoto's. There's so much magic in our mess, and I love that that's what she's writing about. I think that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. So remembering that daily, find the magic in your mess daily. I think that's a really cool, you know, note or quote or something to to think about every day. So, isn't she great? Hmm. I know. We do have a product named after her specifically. It is fabulous. We sent it to her. She loves it. It's called Flower Filled Moments. <laughs> and I only say it because it, when I spray it, I have it sitting here right in front of me. Um, it just makes me think of Stacey. And it's this feeling that you have during the show that it brings me back to, right? I just love it. Yeah, right. It's, we need to make is. sure she's not out of it and send her some more. I know, right? <sighs> right, definitely. Okay, so... We can. Everybody can find everything before we forget, because I, I could feel it coming. Uh, you can find all things amazing Stacy Robbins at stacyrobbins.com. S T A C E Y Robbins two two B's R O B B I N S dot com. Stacyrobbins dot com, uh, and you can schedule a consultation. You can see events that she has coming up, and uh, you can get read voice some lessons. more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> she's an all-around girl. So uh, check out her website, and she's on social media, and check out her Facebook group, Girlfriend's Guide to Hashimoto's. 
She's wonderful. We love having her. We did have another guest scheduled for today, and she filled in at the last minute for us because she's a friend and she is fabulous. So, and because it was meant to be. It was meant to be. You know, I did it hear, was. I watched her live the other day about honey and um, the slices of pie, and it's just so, you know, it resonated with me. Hmm. So, it was meant to be. She was on the show today. So, and she had time for us, so it was great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> ah, so thank you, um, as always, to our listeners. We do this for you. We love doing the show, and if you like hearing it, we'd love to have a review. So check us out on iTunes and leave us a comment. Mm-hmm. And please be sure to check out Thyroid Nation's Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Lots of goodies there to check out, little bonus things to help throughout the day and keep your skin hydrated and nourished and and help with uh, awaking the brain and getting through fatigue and things like that. So make sure to check that out, Thyroid Nation Essentials at ThyroidNation.com. And follow us on all the social media platforms you can think of. We're there. And sign up and join the Hoshies and Graves Facebook support group. We'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as always, we want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. And please make sure to always listen to that unique diagnostician, the one that only you have. Tune the rest of the world out and heal within. But that takes you talking to you, and you have to listen to use. So spend time being mindful of what your own body is telling you. Absolutely. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation Green Gatika. And Tiffany Mladenich. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Uh, Dr. Davis from Wheat Belly. Wheat Belly will be on with us. So check us out. See you next week. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.